start with a question this morning. Has anybody ever pulled one over on you? Have you ever been swindled? Have you ever been gotten? Has it ever happened in your life that you have wasted time, energy, or money, and you come to the end of the matter and you go, wow, what just happened to me? I've just wasted this time, or I've just wasted this energy, or I've just wasted this money. And you know what happened, like the, the heart, here's what happened, I don't know what your story is, okay? But here's the way it works. Whatever happened, your heart, when you figured this out, dropped. When you realize, I've just wasted my time, or I've just wasted my money, the heart drops. You know what, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, when, when you're driving the car and you go up and then down and you're like, <gasps> your heart drops and then your stomach goes like this. <laughs> so your heart drops and your stomach starts turning. That's what's going on here. Now what's going on here? This is what's happening here. Right? That blood pressure starts rising. You start to get angry. And then what do you want to do? Whose fault is this and you start looking around for who is the one that did me wrong listen today today we're going to start with some pretty serious news we're going to get to really good news but if you have your bulletin if you're uh, new here you have probably got a bulletin when you came in there's some notes in there and i want before we open to god's word this morning i want for us to realize because this is this month we've been talking about rightly handling the word of God so that when we open the Bible, we're doing it correctly. We're doing it consistently. We're reading accurately. We're applying God's word to our life. But here's what I want you to understand. There are two ways that we handle God's word. The first way. All right. The first way is deceptive and worthless. I know that sounds horrible to say. It's a really difficult way to start what I hope to be a very encouraging message. But it's true. And we're going to look at a scripture today that teaches us that there is a way that we can handle the word of God where we are deceiving ourselves and we are practicing what the Bible calls worthless religion. The reason that I began with that question, have you ever been swindled, is because the Bible says something a little uncomfortable for me. If this happens in my life, the scripture says I've done it to myself. I can't get angry at you. If I'm going to say, who is responsible for this, for my heart dropping and my, and my, and I'm wasting this time and I finally, who's to blame? Me. The scripture says that we can deceive ourselves with the way that we handle the word of God. But turning the corner and being positive this morning and encouraging for you today, I want you to know that while it is true that there's a way that we can handle the word of God that is deceptive and worthless, there's also a way to handle the word of God that is blessed and God-pleasing. Now, before we look at the scripture, you just look at your notes and take a moment and decide, which one do you want? <laughs> do you want to deceive yourself and, and spend time in this worthless way practicing this empty religion or do you want to spend your time holding the word of god practicing a faith living this journey called life in christ in a way that blesses you blesses other people blesses the people around you 
and Scripture says is approved and blessed and honors God. I hope you choose the second. This message is designed to help you choose the second. And it's out of James chapter 1. If you're new to the Bible, you don't, don't feel the pressure that you have to turn there. I'm going to read all of the Scriptures But we do say to our guests, or even if you've been here a couple of times, if you don't own a copy of the Bible, we'd love to give you a copy of the Bible. There's copies of the Bible in the back over here. And just feel free to take one. We want to invest the Word of God into your life. But I'm going to be reading out of James chapter 1, verses 22 through 27. Here's what God's Word says. Be doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once he forgets what he's like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts on it. Look what it says. He will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. You know, I realize that this passage confronts, contradicts, challenges a very common theme that I hear often. I'd like to say I only hear it outside of the church. Unfortunately, there have been times that I've heard it inside of the church. This is the thought. Well, as long as you really believe what you believe, then all things are equal. Well, James disagrees with you, if that's your viewpoint. And I want to explain for you this morning why this is so important. You see, truth is truth. And non-truth is non-truth. And what James is saying to the reader of this, of this text originally, and even today now that it's been passed down to us through God's plan, here's what he's saying. Don't waste your time expressing faith in a way that is worthless or meaningless. Don't spend your energy practicing an empty religion. Make sure that what you're doing is producing what God wants to produce in your life. And so we have to choose this morning. I don't want just for us to acknowledge that there's a way of handling the word of God that can be deceptive and worthless. And there's a way of handling the God, uh, the word of God that's blessed and God pleasing. I want for us to make a choice. Which one am I going to be about now? Before we move forward and we look at some of the examples, if you're looking in your bulletin, you see that we're going to get to some examples. Before we do that, I want to encourage you some. Because it's kind of emotionally heavy to start out by saying, there's a way of expressing religion that's deceptive and worthless. I want to encourage you. As we think about putting the Word of God into practice, I want to share some encouraging thoughts One, this isn't new. Jesus spoke about this in Matthew chapter 7. So before we start making notes, let's just remember back in Matthew chapter 27. And Jesus in in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus gives one of the most well-known sermons ever 
preached by anybody, period. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And this is where he gives the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the poor in spirit. He goes on to talk about uh, to turn the other cheek. That's in the Sermon on the Mount. Ask and seek and knock and it will be given. There's a lot of different parts of the Sermon on the Mount that are really famous. But one really, really, really famous part of the Sermon on the Mount is the ending. And he goes on to talk about at the end of this message, two types of builders. He said there's a builder who built his house on the rock. And the storms came. The rain fell and the wind blew against the house and the waters rose. But the house stood because it was built on a rock. And he said, and then there was a foolish builder. He calls it the wise builder and the foolish builder. And the foolish builder, he built a house. And the wind came and the rain fell and the wind came and the waters rose. But he didn't build his house on a rock. He built his house on the sand. And when the storms of life came, it blew the house over. Now, what's the difference between the wise and foolish builder? Well, in the story, it's where the house is built. But here's what he says. He says, everyone who hears my word and puts it into practice is like the wise builder. Everyone who hears my word and doesn't put it into practice is like the foolish builder. You see, James isn't creating this stuff from nowhere. He is repeating the teachings of Jesus. That's one thing to read and understand what the Bible is saying. But if we want to live a fruitful, productive, God-honoring, God-approved life, we don't just read and understand. We put it into practice. And that's why the very first verse that we looked at this morning says, Be doers of the word. That's a command for us. Be doers of the word. So let's talk a little bit about some encouraging Encouraging thoughts this morning. The first thing that I want to share with you is that no one starts great at doing this. No one starts great at being doers of the word. Now, you may be thinking this morning, where do I start? Maybe maybe you're new to faith and you're thinking to yourself, I don't really know how to start doing the word of God. It's okay. I want you to understand nobody starts being great at learning the word and putting it into practice. So I want you to lighten up a little bit. I want you to have some mercy on yourself. I want you to be gracious towards yourself and forgiving towards yourself and understand. You may not be perfect at doing the word of God. That's okay. My challenge to you is to keep practicing. Nobody starts great at putting the word of God into practice. But you start somewhere. And you say, you know what? The next time I read the word of God, I'm going to put it into practice. I'm going to take some actions to not just learn something, but to download it into my life, to apply it to my life. That's why this month our Thrive Statement is consistently and accurately applying God's word to my life. You may not start great, but start somewhere. There was a young man who decided to get married. And when he got married, he remembered going to the pastor. He said, Pastor, teach me and my fiance how to be married. And so they went to premarital classes and they learned a lot of things. One of the things that the young man learned is that it's a very powerful thing to say, I'm sorry. 
Now, that's important because it takes some of us a long time to learn that. They get married. They have their first fight. The young man is so angry. He says, I just need some time. And he goes outside and he sits out on the porch and he looks up at the sky and he sees these beautiful stars and he's just praying, Lord, what do I do? I don't know how to handle this lady. I've never seen this before. I don't know, God, what to do. And he remembers, he remembers what he learned from the pastor. It's a powerful thing to say, I'm sorry. So he says, but God, it's not my fault. Is it? And he looks up and God begins to work in his heart. You know how it happens when you're in a fight and all of a sudden God starts to show you that you're kind of wrong. And you got to decide, right? Do I just stick with this or do I admit that I'm wrong? (laughs) Well, he said, you know what? I need to apologize. He remembers what the pastor says and he says, I need to apply this. Now, remember, he's newly married. He's trying, but he hasn't figured all of this stuff out yet. So he goes and he says, sweetheart, let's talk. Okay, they sit down. Get some coffee, you know, get eye to eye. Listen, I'm sorry that you've misunderstood what I've said. (laughs) And then, you know, they went back into it, right? You know, I believe that's a true story. But it's a perfect story that illustrates that when we start trying to put the word into practice, we don't do it perfectly. And listen to me. What's important is that you start doing the word of God. I love that you're here. I love that you go to ABF. I love that you want to be in a journey group. And if you haven't joined an ABF and you want to see me, I'll help you join. If you haven't joined a journey group and you want to see me, I'll help you join. But here's really the big picture. The big picture is, as God's people, we can't just hold the Bible and learn what it says. We have to put it into practice. And as you start to do that, I want you to be encouraged. It doesn't mean that you're going to do it perfectly when you start. Don't be discouraged by it. Don't give up. And in fact, maybe even find a mentor. Find somebody that will disciple you, that will help you in putting these things into practice. Now, the second thing that I want to say to you about uh, putting God's word into practice that I think is a really encouraging thing, and you have there in front of your notes, the second point is this. We are saved to do works, not saved because of works. Now, that's a really important thing for us to understand this morning. So I'm going to take a second and develop that just a little bit for us to understand because this passage is talking about the incredible importance of not just hearing God's word, but putting it into practice. And it says that if we, do, if we don't do that, we're deceiving ourselves. The scripture says that if we see and learn the word of God and we don't put it into practice, then our faith, our religion is worthless. Now, that's a strong statement. James is making a very provocative and strong statement And if we misread that, we can almost get to this place where we're reading this saying, well, then I guess that my salvation depends on what I do. No, not at all. 
That's not what the Bible teaches. Here's what I want you to understand. We don't work in order to be saved. We serve God because we are saved. That's an important distinction for us to have this morning. I want you to know that when you read the Bible and it talks about loving your enemy or making peace or living at peace, whatever it is that the Scripture is teaching, and you say, this is what God is calling me to do, you are not earning your salvation because you can't do that. The Bible is very clear that when we surrender our life to Jesus, when we say, yes, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner, I admit that I need your grace, and I want to receive your forgiveness, I want you to be the Lord of my life, That is what salvation looks like. We don't have to earn our salvation through what we do. We get salvation because of what He's done for us. And so as we're talking about doing the Word of God, not just hearing it, I want you to just be crystal clear that we're not saved by works. We're saved to do works. Now, some of you may be new to the faith. And you may be looking at this and you may be thinking, this feels exhausting. Because my schedule is already very tight. I wake up every day at this time. I get out of the door at this time. I've got to be at this meeting. I've got this phone call. I've got three human beings to keep alive. I've got all of these things that I've got going on. And and to add on all the commands of the Bible to do, I'm just stressed out thinking about it. Listen, relax. Let me tell you something. This is not a burden when it's done from love and not obligation. It's a blessing. It's a blessing that we have the privilege to order our lives according to the word of God. Not because we ought to. We get to. We get to allow our lives to reflect the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you with that. I want to encourage you with that knowledge. This is not a burden when it's done out of love. I can clearly see how it would be a burden if it was done out of obligation. I can clearly see why it would be stressful if it was just one more thing that we've got to tack on to an already busy life. I get that. But because we have a loving relationship with the Creator God, this is not a burden at all. This is a filled with wonder, awe-inspiring, wow. I have a chance to put into practice what the Word of God teaches. What a blessing. Now, you see that the Bible gives three examples, and these examples are in your notes for you this morning, and we're going to mention these before we talk about some practical ways that we can put these into practice. But it starts out, and this is kind of the flow of the Scripture this morning. If you go back and look at James chapter 1, verses 22 through 27, here's what you'll see. You'll see that it starts out with a command, then it gives this illustration, this interesting illustration about connecting this with a person who looks in a mirror and then they turn away and they forget what they saw. And then it goes on to give three practical examples of where this should play out in our life. Now, let me let me call your attention to James chapter one. Look at verse 26 for the very first example. If anyone, if anyone thinks 
that he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Let me summarize that for you. If your faith hasn't shaped what happens in your heart and then comes out of your mouth, you need to go back and check in on that faith. Because when you put your fellowship in Jesus and when the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, it radically transforms everything in your life. Now, this might be shocking for some of us. When I first started in ministry, I was in student ministry, and we got our little team together. There was about five of us. And I wanted to know the spiritual gift of everybody on the team. So I thought we would start by doing a team building exercise. So we sit down. And we had a little meal there and everybody got around the circular table. And I said, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like for us to go around the circle and share with the group what your spiritual gift is. And, you know, one of them said, well, my gift is administration. And I'm like, thank God. That's good. And one person said, well, I think mercy and encouragement. And, well, you know, and then one lady says, my spiritual gift is saying exactly what I'm thinking. And I don't know how to tell you this, my friends, but if you think that's a spiritual gift, it is not. What is James saying? He's saying that if you've been in the Lord for years and it hasn't influenced the way that you speak, the patterns, the things that you talk about, the things that you laugh about, the things that you say to people or about people. You need to be careful. You need to really go to your prayer closet and say, Lord, is this biblical Christianity that I have embraced or is it something else? Now, I know that there's patterns of speech that has that has snuck in the church because it's very accepted in the outside world like there's things that the scripture would say is indicative of an unbridled tongue but yet they've snuck into the church and we laugh about them we use them and 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 i don't mean mean to be careless with this statement but i do believe that it's true not just here at the fellowship but in other places you can walk the hallways and even hear it one of them sarcasm humor directed at the expense of another person is very dangerous, very damaging. But isn't it true that it's very accepted in our culture? There's other patterns of speech as well. But one example that James gives about really putting the Word of God into practice and how it works itself out in practical living is our speech, our tongue, what we do, with what we say, how we say it, when we say it. The second is how we minister to, care for, love, and engage with the vulnerable people in our culture. Now, you may not have heard the word vulnerable people uh, when we read James. You wouldn't have because it's not written there. Instead, what it says in verse 27 
religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Do you know that in the time that James was writing this, the most vulnerable demographic in society was the widow and the orphan. They had nobody to help them. They were almost always financially destitute. They were easily taken advantage of and people could abuse them and there was no one to speak up for them and to say, this is wrong. You will not take advantage of these vulnerable people. They were the most vulnerable of society. Now, I still think that it is it is really important for the church to minister to widows and orphans. But it's important for us to also discern who in our culture are the most vulnerable people in the world. And we need to take a step out to protect those people. Now, you may be thinking right now, who would that be? Who would it be that that needs protection? Who are the most vulnerable in our world today? Who are the ones that literally cannot even speak? Who are the ones who even before they're allowed to have a breath are assaulted and attacked? Religion that God the Father accepts as pure and undefiled is to make sure that we love the most vulnerable people. Now, we can talk from a big picture societal view, but may I say this to you, in your own life, in your own world, in your own sphere of influence, there are vulnerable people. And I want to challenge you to allow the love of God to change you and then flow through you. At your work, students, at your school, For those of you who are stay-at-home moms or dads, on your block, could we find the vulnerable people and love them with the love of Jesus and allow our faith to ignite the world around us? So, three examples. One is what we talk about. Two, how we love and care for the vulnerable. And three... On the screen, it's called the resistance. But here's, here's what I mean. That last phrase in chapter 27 is to look after, go and see the widow and the orphan in their distress and to keep oneself, interesting word, unstained by the world. Look back with me if you would. James chapter 1, verse 27 Last phrase, to keep oneself unstained from the world. The resistance, to resist being stained and contaminated by the world. Now, that doesn't draw a very pretty picture of the world. I realize this. But let me remind you that God loves this world that we're talking about. Can there be wickedness in the world? Yes. Is there wickedness in the world? Yes. Is there brokenness in the world? Yes. Is there evil in the world? Yes. Is there a lot of corruption in the world? Yes. Is there a lot of problems in the world? Yes. And yet, Jesus 
hung on the cross for the people who are responsible for all those things. And so we, as God's people, have this balance between engaging people who need to hear about the love of God and also being able to resist and keeping ourselves from being unstained by the world. That's a hard task because for some of us, and I was just talking with a brother before our worship today. For some of us, we want to run from the world because we don't want to be stained by the world. We don't want to be influenced by the world. We don't want this negative culture to infiltrate our thinking and our hearts. And so we just tend to detach and run. We create these Christian bubbles where we don't know any lost people. We don't know anybody that needs to be evangelized. But we can say, well, I just hang out with Christian people all of the time. And the other side of that pendulum is where we go into the world, but we're really not influencing anybody We instead are being influenced by the world. So I understand that this can be a really big challenge. And we've got to continually allow the Spirit of God to shape our hearts and our thinking on this. But here's what God's Word says. To go into the world and to love the vulnerable and to make sure that while we're out there serving God, that the world isn't creeping into our hearts. That's important for us to do. Now, I want to close this morning by giving you two practical, practical, practical ways that you can start today doing the Word of God. The first is that you can team up with our outreach ministry team, our community outreach team. In a couple of weeks, actually specifically on November the 1st, they are hosting an event and this is a this is actually a workshop called helping my child thrive in the 21st century world and this is for people who have kids and want to grow them up in a godly way this is on uh, november the first and the little write-up here i'm just reading off the write-up it says we encourage you to bring a non-church couple or friend if you want to come to it we'd love to see you there I was going to talk about what type of parent am I and then creating a healthy boundaries with social media. That's big these days. Now, you may say, I don't have kids. Well, be of good cheer. We are also looking for volunteers to help. Bringing desserts. Some of you love to cook. You're good at it. I've tasted it. You're good at cooking. You could really help out with this ministry. You could do the task of reaching into the lives of others. Some of you say, well, I can't cook. Well, they also need people like greeters. You may say, well, I'm not very happy most of the time. Well, (laughs) then we don't want you as a greeter. We don't want you at the registration table. But if you're typically grumpy, we need people to help set up. So you can come be a, you can come be a part no matter what your temperament is. We've got a spot for you to help. Okay, um, do we have any of our outreach team in here this morning? Raise your hand if you're from the outreach team. All right, there's John. A couple. Yep, Katie. Very good. Patty in the back. So some of them will be at the info booth if you just want to connect with them at the end of the service, or if you do want to serve, you can go online. You can sign up. But 
We want to be very practical when we give you this teaching that don't just listen to the Word of God, but do it. We want to give practical ways that you can do that. The last way before we pray and close today is what I call the action project. The action project. Here's what this is. And uh, you're going to get this on the way out today. All right? This is 30 days. This is a 30-day calendar of doing the Word of God. For the next 30 days, there is a specific command in God's Word, shows you the passage that it's found in, and then there's a spot for you to write down, this is how I'm going to actually do this command. Today's command says, September the 22nd, the command is repent. That's found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. And Jesus calls the people that he's teaching. He, it's, the scripture says that he came preaching the word of God, calling them to repent. And so for every day, for the next 30 days, tomorrow the command is to be at peace with one another. The 24th, the command is to seek God's kingdom first. The 25th is to deny. So all, for 30 days, we just go through the scripture and we list one of the things that God's word commands us to do. We give you the spot where it's found so you can go and look at it. You can read it. You can pray over it. And then there's a little spot for you to write. This is how I'm going to put that command into practice. Because we, we want to practically help you put these things into practice. This is a 30-day calendar of how I can personally apply God's word to my everyday life. I hope that you'll pick one up. Uh, the ushers will have them when you're walking out. They'll have them for you to grab. If you have this, you have any questions on it, I'd love to help you uh, ask me. But we just want to be very practical with you. We know that this is a really important teaching as we seek to consistently and accurately apply God's word to our life. We don't want to just tell you these things and then release you to figure it out in your own confusion. We want to give you practical ways that you can be doers of the word of God. So whether it's teaming up with the outreach team to help them do some outreach and, and invest in the community or doing this uh, action project, we want to put into your hands practical ways that you can respond to what you've heard today because we believe that that's important.